So we are still deep, deep into Leviticus and its laws of ritual impurity this week as we come to Mitzorah. And other years, Tazria and Mitzorah are actually together, but because we have an extra month this year, it's a leap year, we have the fortune, the good fortune, of being able to read Tazria and Mitzorah, two of our most challenging Torah portions, on two separate Shabbatot. So we continue yet again this week with our discussion of skin disease. What happens to the Mitzorah? The Mitzorah is literally the person who has Tazria, so the person who is suffering from a skin disease. And as you know, rabbis struggle year after year to mine this challenging Torah portion for meaning. And sometimes we have to go a little off the beaten path in search of inspiration. So for me this week, my answer came from an unexpected source, Orthodox Rabbi David Furman's website, the Aleph Beta Academy. I thought that was very cute. Rather than the Aleph Bet, the Aleph Beta, very Silicon Valley friendly academy, which is basically the orthodox answer to our local Bay Area Godcast. If you've never been to local Bay Area educator Sarah Lefton's website, it's really fab fabulous, www.godcast.com, which as many of you may be familiar, uses new media to try to explain and illuminate Torah texts for the modern 21st century audience and readers of Torah. And so basically, the Aleph Beta Academy is very similar, and I was amazed by how in a 20-minute animated video, this Orthodox rabbi was able to just get to such complexity and exciting textual interpretation of this week's Torah portion. He treated studying the Torah portion like a scavenger hunt, where the reader is following clues to reach the hidden treasure underneath the text. So on this Shabbat tonight, I'd like to share with you a piece of his teaching that I found most meaningful. So see if you can follow along. Clue number one, the Mitzorah, again, the person who has this unfortunate skin disease, has the highest level of impurity possible in the Torah. Every person, even an object that they don't even touch, but that just resides in their tent, that even, you know, happens to be a few feet away from them, becomes impure. The only other thing in the Torah that has this high level of contamination, this high level of impurity, is a corpse. As some of you may have experienced in your own lives, if you know someone who's a Kohen, if you know someone who thinks of themselves as being an ancestor of a priest, priests cannot even touch the dead body of their closest relatives. It is considered such a strong source of impurity. So clue number one is that the Mitzorah has such a high level of impurity that it's only equal to that of a corpse. Clue number two is that the only time in the Torah that someone actually becomes a Mitzorah, someone actually gets this skin disease, is in Numbers 12. Miriam and Aaron basically are whispering on the side of the camp and speaking badly about their brother Moses. They're basically kvetching, they're complaining that he married a dark-skinned Cushite woman, a non-Israelite, and that he acts like he has more of a special relationship to God than they do. 
As a punishment for their criticism of this great prophet, for their lashon hara, literally their evil tongue, God inflicts Miriam with a skin disease. She becomes a mitzorah. And the text says that her skin becomes as white as snow, and Aaron comments that she looks as if she's dead. Kemavet, she looks as if she's dead. So clue number two is that the only time we actually see anecdotally a Matsura is when Miriam speaks Lashon Hara, evil tongue about her brother, and she's inflicted and she appears to be like a dead person. Okay, the final clue, number three, is that Leviticus uses the phrase negat tsara'at, a plague of disease. And the only other time that that phrase, nega, for plague, is used in the Torah is in Exodus 11 for the tenth and final plague against the Egyptians, the killing of the firstborn. So the only other time we hear this Hebrew word is yet another instance of death. It's when the firstborn is killed right before the Egyptians free the Israelite slaves to escape into the desert. So based on these three clues, there is clearly some connection between the mitzora, between someone who is suffering from this skin disease, and death. It's something that I never really saw in the text until Rabbi Foreman put these three pieces together using language as clues for what the mitzora could mean. Rabbi Furman teaches that each of us is made up of two beings, almost like two neshamas, two souls within one body. There's the individual being and there's the communal being. And that we need both of them to survive. When we can disconnect from either of them, when we're only living as an individual being or we're only living as a communal being, it is if we are dead. Because Mitsura, he argues, is not really a physical malady, but a spiritual one. That as a Mitsura, Miriam may have been biologically alive, but she was emotionally empty. When she gossiped and acted haughtily towards her brother Moses, she committed a social sin. She alienated her communal being, that one part of her soul, by being spiteful and prejudiced towards Moses. And she was therefore shut out of the camp to dwell alone for seven days until she could be brought back into the community, literally gathered back. The verb is the same that we use when we say you're gathered to your ancestors. When you pass away in Hebrew, she can be gathered back after those seven days within the community, within the camp. I think that Rabbi Furman is getting to this point because fundamentally we're social beings. When the communal part of our lives wither away, when we lose our connection to others, it's as if we're not fully alive. It's as if we're mourning for ourselves. This binary between our individual and our communal beings plays out throughout our Jewish lives and arguably throughout Jewish law. The greatest transgressions that we can make according to Jewish law are the ones that disconnect us the most from others. 
like the painful act of speaking evil about someone that you love. And the greatest mitzvot are the ones that connect us to others, even after they are gone, like accompanying the dead for burial, levayat hamet, or coming together as a minion, as a group of 10, to help someone say Kaddish for a loved one. In the Torah, the skin disease of Mitzorah acted as a physical manifestation of a spiritual imbalance, that imbalance between our communal and our individual beings. And while we don't really have this notion anymore, we don't believe that God punishes us for our sins by giving us skin diseases, although it's interesting to imagine what if we did have a physical sign that we had done something evil towards someone else, like what if our nose really did grow like Pinocchio, or what if our skin turned a different color? What would it mean to be able to actually see that someone spiritually had changed, that they were in a different place just by looking at them? But given that we're not there, we do still struggle to find a healthy connection between our minds and our bodies, and between our individual self and our community. In many ways, we want to be alive in every way that we can. We want to enrich and really add vibrancy to every part of our life, to both the individual and the communal part of our beings. That to me is really the lesson of Mitzorah that I take away from Rabbi Fjorman. It takes the extreme symbolism of death, something that can sometimes make us uncomfortable from the pale white skin of the Mitzora of Miriam to the 10th plague of Passover to the death of the firstborn, to wake us up, to almost shock us to attention and make us aware of how we relate to our communal being. How are we relating to those that we care about the most? Our family and our friends, our neighbors and our coworkers, even our fellow synagogue members. How do we treat them? How do we talk about them when we're in front of them or even when we're off to the edge of the camp and we're just whispering? Because the Mitzorah is ultimately reversible. Ultimately, there is a chance for change. Even though there is this alienating moment of seven days, Miriam comes back into the camp and they move on. The Mitzorah at the end of this Torah portion is gathered back to her community or to his community and is still part of Am Yisrael, is still part of the people Israel. So my prayer for us on this Shabbat is as alienating as this Torah portion can sometimes be, that we take the clues, that we take the warnings of the Mitzorah that we help to use it as a warning to take time to reflect as we make our way towards Pesach, as we make our way towards Passover, where hopefully we'll be celebrating with many friends and family and members of our community, and that we commit to do better, that we allow ourselves the ability to take a step back, maybe for seven days or even just seven minutes, and then to be regathered into the folds of Am Yisrael into the folds of people Israel, being embraced by the community with love. Shabbat Shalom.
with 